I'm Anna. And I'm Kat. And this is Good Faith Comrades Philosophy Podcast. ourselves, our lives, um, and kind of where we're going forward from there. Kat, do you want to start? Sure. Um, We have a lot in common just as young people Mm -hmm. at a particular kind of institution, just kind of reckoning with what it means to be a part of an institution while also holding a specific set of convictions about life and practice and the way that the world should be. Um, And... Yeah, I think that you probably have more to say about why we why we started yeah. this since, um, since it was your idea. Yeah. So, well, one, I listen to a lot of podcasts and a lot of good and bad. Um, so and both of them are motivating, right? Yeah. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Um, so, kind of this past year, I've gotten into philosophy a lot more. Switched my minor to philosophy. Um, I'm always trying to learn more in the discipline it's so vast. Um, and I think one thing I saw in a lot of the podcasts were that, um, not only were they hosted by white men, but they also were about the quote Western canon. Um, not that there's anything inherently wrong, um, with a lot of those thinkers, they're impactful, but, um, I think there could be a lot more work done um, inside and outside of academic spaces um, to try and be more inclusive in that way. Because when you look at a philosophy classroom, um, you typically do see a lot more white men within the discipline um, and sitting in the student seat. Um, so that was one reason. Um, another reason was that um, when I was looking at the descriptions of some of them, there was one in particular that um, talked a bit about, you know, they answered the question, well, you know, why don't we have, um, like, more women and people of color? And then their answer was something along the lines of, well, you know, there just weren't that many in history. And, you know, <laughs> being a history major, it's kind of, like, really frustrating because it's like you could do, a, like, a cursory Google search and find out that that's not true. <laughs> I don't have access to them within my institutional canon, so they don't exist. <laughs> no, <they're> not there. <laughs> and I think deconstructing the whole, like, not only, like we talked about earlier, Anna, like the the idea of the West mm-hmm. as just, you know, in the Western canon as, as just kind of bullshit, but also deconstructing, like, I don't know, recognizing how arbitrary the process by which certain thinkers and certain works get canonized and become central to, like, the practice of doing philosophy in academic spaces and I guess in non-academic spaces too, because, you know, it, it tends to, you know, canonization is like a weird, I don't know. I've been thinking a lot about it. There's a lot about it just as we've been talking about what this podcast is for, mm-hmm. because it's just, it's an arbitrary thing. And, and recognizing that there's so much good work done that falls outside the bounds of like what you have institutional access to or, or whatever, um, what your professors are talking about and what your peers are talking about is is so important. And not just to, like, root out the most obscure, 
thinker that I can possibly find and like and, and kind of approach it in this tokenization um, kind of method. But just like finding what is good that isn't funded by your academy, yeah. I think is yeah. like the most mm-hmm. important thing for me to learn over these first few years of mm-hmm. school. So yeah, because there's a lot. Because I think when you say philosophy, people think the very specific type of philosophy mm-hmm. um and that can be frustrating because mm-hmm. um like as we were kind of brainstorming about future episodes we're thinking of everything from doing an episode on like body hair to like the philosophy of biking so it's mm-hmm. like it's not just in the limits of like you know what the canon tells us there is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah exactly and like for me just over this last couple of years doing philosophy and, and getting deeper into like it as a life practice is just recognizing that it's a methodology like to do philosophy is like a practice it's not it's it's more than just you know reading a certain set of books and getting familiar with a certain amount of thinkers but doing philosophy is like a life way and and since you and I, I think are both interested and um motivated to like make a life for ourselves in academia to whatever extent that's possible. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I think that all of those things, like body hair, biking, all of that falls within the realm of like, we can do philosophy about this. And like recognizing and affirming that and like finding the thinkers who, who do that well are, are really important. Definitely. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, thinking about like my ethics class that I took last semester. Like that's just one of those areas that is, so applicable to like directly to your life like once you formulate your ethic then you get to go and live that out um Mm -hmm. that's kind of like you know praxis which is good Mm -hmm. which you know a lot of leftists Uh need to (laughs) need to work on everyone (laughs) needs to read Derrida (laughs) that's the moral of the story um so much left book infighting obliterated yeah lots lots of um fun twitter flare-ups recently about you know the marxist leninists going after the anarchists and vice versa yeah Yeah. and it's just to me it's like and this is this is another important part i think of of this podcast as a project is just recognizing the way that our commitments kind of inform the way we do philosophy and so like feeling really persuaded by marxism leninism but also like recognizing the limits of of what it means for me to call myself something online mm-hmm. you know yeah. <laughs> to to ascribe myself a label and to become a part of like this community of internet leftists that are just mm-hmm. you know getting into tanky versus anarchist <laughs> yeah. debate yes. every every single day mm-hmm. and the thing about that is i think like you get to a point within those communities where it's like so specialized that mm-hmm. You know, you can't really articulate mm-hmm. either your theory or your praxis mm-hmm. to, like, real working class people, yeah, which is exactly. kind of weird, exactly. you know. Um, or just people who are confused, because yeah. I feel like we're about to talk about how we both go to uh, evangelical colleges. But part of navigating that experience as a leftist is kind of knowing that you can't really bring up your political tendency like the majority of the time, <laughs> yeah, which is really frustrating. Right. And it's not even just, for me anyway, in my experience, it's not even just that people tend to be really antagonistic to whatever, you know, the communist academy, you know, and, mm-hmm. and there's this whole idea, I think, within like evangelical spaces of like the liberal arts 
are turning our kids communist, you know what I mean, like, <laughs> making them gay and whatever. Um, and it's not even just that kind of antagonism, but it's also just that, like, people don't necessarily have access to, like, what you can understand about communism, yeah. about anarchism, and the mm-hmm. way it's persuasive to you. People don't necessarily have access to, like, whatever experiences you've had, whatever material you've read, you know what I mean? Just recognizing that, like, a metric, a metric that I've been using more and more lately when I reflect on what's important to me is, is like, if I can't talk to my mom about this, like, if I can't describe why this is important to me to my mom in a way that's at least a little bit persuasive, if she's not on board with it, at least that she can, like, resonate with in some sense, then how important is it to me, really? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if, mm-hmm. I can't, if I can't find a way to talk about this that, like, conceptually works for someone who's, like, doesn't have access to exactly the series of events and circumstances that have led me to these convictions. So like, and that's just a, that's a universal principle I think, yeah. for most, for most things. So it's like, you know, a spiritual commitment or an intellectual one or whether it's something like a theory and praxis. Mm-hmm. You know, but. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think that's a good metric to use. Probably <laughs> something that I, I should try and adapt um, because and I think it doesn't work for everybody. It's I, just, you know, <laughs> Yeah, but um, I, I think there's um, a point where you have to navigate, you know, whether to kind of put that metric to use mm-hmm. or to be like, man, I'm tired. Uh-huh. I know that's like one uh-huh. excuse, uh-huh. but it is like there's sometimes like where I'm at work or, you know, mm-hmm. preoccupied with something else. And I don't really have the energy to explain to someone, right. my tendency, um, who's going to be naturally antagonistic towards it. Right. And then I'm no, I don't want to sound right. like a jerk and be like, well, go read Capital, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, wish, I wish it were so. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and I feel like... Um, that's something that applies to like the practice of doing philosophy and trying to do it as, as a life, you know, as mm-hmm. a career, trying to, you know, to do it, um, in a way that's like a daily, I don't know, productive activity is like, I, I feel like I'm defensive of that in the same way as I'm defensive of, of my political and, mm-hmm. and philosophical commitments, just cause like, yeah, making those calls of like, when am I too, when am I just being lazy and, and, kind of bitter and just like assuming that someone can't get it so it's not worth it to to try and like I don't know I I don't like build building bridges rhetoric like the bridge builder yeah no like Like there's a reach across the aisle you know what I mean there's like there's a lot of that over fourth of July like if you see a Trump voter just go and hug (laughs) them yeah because that's what they need Mm -hmm. (laughs) go go hug the fascists that'll save every save yeah 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 oh god and it's yeah so, like, not to fall into that rhetoric, but also to recognize that, like, the work of making my commitments intelligible to other people mm-hmm. is something deeply important, especially as someone who's trying to do philosophy. Yeah. So, that's, I think, yeah, the most fun that I'm having with this podcast so far. Yeah. <laughs> like, giving me another space to try and, like, talk about the way that I feel about the world and what what is persuasive to me. Yeah, because this is definitely something we can point to. Be like, Mm -hmm. hey, if you want to know more about my beliefs, 
Here you go. Here's this resource. <laughs> exactly. And Hear me talk. See, mm-hmm. and then that like lunchroom at work conversation, it'll save you so much grief, right? That's true. Like, well, if you really want a defensive <laughs> Marxism, <and Lenism. laughs> here's my card. Mm-hmm. Here's my website. Um, <laughs> do we want to talk a little bit more specifically about um, kind of evangelical colleges, um, kind of like what it's like to occupy those spaces? especially right now, just like colleges in general. Sure. Yeah. And for me, it's like just over this last few years been really important. Just the process of learning what it is to be a part of an institution and how you relate to an institution, the way that they operate, because even though like there are some specific, um, there's some specific aspects of being at a private Christian liberal arts school that, I mean, we, we share in common and see, you know, you know what I'm talking about. There's, mm-hmm. there's something really specific that it's like to be a part of that kind of institution, but being a part of any kind of institution at all, I feel like it's just like, there's a lot of work that I've had to do just to like coming to terms with, you know, being a part of a system that is fundamentally unjust um, and exploitative, just like, every other system that organizes our and orders our society and like committing myself to it and saying like this is I want to be a part of this forever um and trying to defend to myself like the good that exists in that space and the good that I can do despite how how fucked up it is um yeah I guess that's that's for me being at at a Christian liberal school has just been like caused me to reflect so deeply on I don't know, um, just the systemic realities that shape my, like, practical options and yeah. when I look at, like, my life and the good that I can do, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and that's been really good and also really hard, but, yeah, I don't know. Do you have more to say about... Yeah, definitely. Um, I think kind of what you were saying about, you know, kind of reconciling yourself with this institution, um, mm-hmm. I kind of felt this in high school also kind of like butting up against you know unjust authority and seeing how um especially in educational spaces how um these (laughs) what is it like four o'clock two days after independence day (laughs) Uh, america lives (laughs) um freedom doesn't stop (laughs) there were people doing fireworks um last night outside Yep. my house so mm-hmm. I was like okay here mm-hmm. we go um but anyway um yeah kind of like butting up against authority um was something that I had to kind of deal with early on in high mm-hmm. school um just I think a lot of people who teach and administer um, in public high schools, especially not that I'm knocking on public high school teachers because that's <laughs> such a hard job. Um, but there are definitely some people who are attracted to that, to that position. And, um, uh, instead of, you know, using your, um, appealing to students like rationality and saying like, these people are almost adults. It's a, it can get kind of authoritarian in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had to deal with that. And then, you know, going to college, um, that was a difficult, um, decision to make, um, kind of reconciling, like, do I even, you know, believe in God, you know, and then I'm going to this place where, you know, pretty much everyone pushes that on you. Right. Um, 
And I think overall it's been a good thing. Um, mm-hmm. I love my professors and I've made some good friends. Um, but I think that, um, yeah, there's definitely a lot of navigating that you have to do. Um, mm-hmm. And it can be hard, especially when you're a very questioning person, to go to a place where there are a lot of rules mm-hmm. and regulations. Mm-hmm. And um, if you don't think almost in the exact same way then mm-hmm. th- as everyone else, then you will not be accepted in some ways, which at, at this point I'm fine with, you right, know? Right, right. And it's just like, I don't know, it just gets fashier, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just gets more fashion. Yeah, like, like the longer you do it, it's just, uh, mm-hmm. um, that's, that's really hard to reconcile with. Mm-hmm. And just finding what you can take from the institution <laughs> because mm-hmm. um, we're there for good reasons. You know yeah. what I mean? And there is good that can be done. And there's, hey. <laughs> I think that also, um, I really have to hand it to my professors. Um, mm-hmm. because like staying in places mm-hmm. like that, because, oh, yeah, you know, um, I don't think I could do that, you know, like we right. both want to go into academia and I don't think yeah. we'd want to end up at a place like where we're doing our undergrad. Yeah, absolutely. Especially for, you know, the couple profs, <laughs> the handful of profs that I have who are women yeah. and have mm-hmm. made it not only through grad school, but pretty, you know, um, antagonistic institutions, at least at the time that they would, would have gone through. We can talk mm-hmm. more about, I guess, the, the general disposition of the academy toward yeah. um, folks who aren't ordinarily in those spaces. Yeah. Um, and and I guess it, it depends so much on <laughs> whose money is running the institution. <laughs> but yeah. um, at the end of the day, I think that it's, it's much less antagonistic than it was at the time that, like I said, some of my professors um, and mentors have, like, gone through the academy and so just like hearing their stories and (laughs) just kind of being awed by their tenacity and also just the energy that they find Mm -hmm. from doing this work even though it's like so much bullshit for such like a I don't know drop in the bucket of good and and recognizing that that is still good and worthwhile and still I'm motivated to pursue it um (laughs) yeah yeah because I think in a lot of ways um, even though not everyone will share our experience of going to an evangelical college, I feel like at, you know, bigger colleges, maybe public colleges, you'd have, you'd still have a lot of problems, just like oh, different exactly. ones, like, because our colleges are smaller, right? Um, probably like, it's the same. Yeah. Like, just, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing that I'm really grateful for is even though, you know, there are very strict rules about. Um, you know, like where, you know, this is a binary, so that's not good either. Where men and women can be, um, at the same time, um, Mm -hmm. there's that and, you know, that's problematic, but that keeps, I think we're like, we have like zero for like rape, you know, count Hmm. as a campus. So, so I mean, part of it's because it's really small. So that's part. Um, but also... Hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like trying to reconcile, like, this is a good product, but not a good starting point. Because the right, starting point right, is, like, right. repress your sexuality. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Girls have cooties. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that a lot. And, and 
as you're just building an ethic, you know, mm-hmm. like, and identifying with one for the first time and being, you know, just, I'm still grasping at straws, trying to be able to articulate an ethical model that I think works for myself, but it's really hard to do when you're, you're in a place <laughs> that's like got such twisted ways of getting mm-hmm. to sometimes good conclusions and sometimes not. But yeah, the more I talk about it, the more I realize the ways that being at a, a reformational Christian, being in a reformational Christian environment for the majority of my learning time, um, you know, because I occupy a lot of other spaces, I think, on my own time so that I, I don't lose my mind. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's, it's, mm, it's difficult to reconcile with for sure. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, definitely kind of seeing um, the country descend into fascism mm-hmm. while being on these campuses is probably another thing that heightens mm-hmm. the tension. Right. Well, and just like so many parts of, you know, the settler colonial nation that we're in mm-hmm. um, being made visible to me mm-hmm. <laughs> over the past few years, you know, and it's just like, it doesn't stop. Once it starts, it doesn't stop. You know, it's like evil leads to evil leads to evil. And so mm-hmm. you just learn one and you learn more and you learn more. And it's, it's like, to me, it's just like, yeah, things being revealed to me in, in different ways and um, how it changes like the way I feel about the spaces that I occupy. Um, I don't know. I feel that. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's definitely um, almost more difficult to try and talk about that with liberals with all like mm-hmm. the liberal takes. Like I was listening to a podcast yesterday about um, it's actually about ethics, um, but the ethicist um, did a lot of work on Bonhoeffer so he was talking about, you know, uh, Nazi Germany and um, kind of like Bonhoeffer's life. And then the host asked him, so, you know, a lot of people are comparing Nazi Germany to America right now. What do you think? And he was like, well, you know, it's, there aren't really that many similarities. And I was like, how, how long is it going to take before the libs, like, kind <laughs> of, like, get to the point, like, do we have to start, you know, really invading other countries? Like, right. And we have all, like, the sociopolitical, we have all the sociopolitical harbingers, like, we got the, the demagoguery, we have, mm-hmm. like, so many other mm-hmm. things that are just, like, the ugly faces, like, the, the, the kind of, like, I don't know, um... I don't know the word that I'm looking for, but it's just like the m- most grotesque realities of what the United States is and like what capitalism is. I'm mm-hmm. just like, mm, yeah. they have su- they're just there's such a locus for it now, and so it's interesting how like liberal discussions tend to be you know uh, as is central to liberalism like super reactionary just to that sort of ugliness. You're yeah. reacting to mm-hmm. like this is icky to me, um, and I don't like it. And that's as far as my analysis goes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yes. Like, uh, um, <laughs> yeah, there's also, like, as, you know, a history, a person who studies history, I can acknowledge that, um, you know, obvi- Nazi Germany and America aren't exactly the same, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you also have to acknowledge that fascism does not take the same form every time. Um, and their characteristics 
do match up and are there in many right. ways. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I just, you know, it's just very frustrating um, when you occupy leftist spaces and you're, you become very aware of like all these systemic abuse and injustice, not just of, um, you know, of fascists being in the White House, but of, you know, the mistreatment of indigenous people and, um, you know, queer people. Um, That's just talked about a lot more. I think like the real abuse that goes on and within liberal spaces, it's just kind of like, well, hashtag diversity, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. Well, and again, it's it's because it's a reaction to like an ugliness. It's reacting Mm -hmm. to like, this is off putting to me. Um, so I'm going to repackage this and recapitulate it as something that's that I fuck with, you know, something that's that's fits my aesthetic. It's it's definitely an affective and an aesthetic sort of commitment and not an actually ethical or absolutely by no means revolutionary one. <laughs> um, no. Yeah, and I, I I totally agree with you that those conversations are harder to have than the conversations with like the Bible banging you know conservatives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because at least it's all on the table and we can have a conversation about principles because they're starting from a specific set of principles. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Whereas liberalism, like doesn't, it's unprincipled. Like it doesn't have like a, it doesn't have commitments that are moving its action that extend beyond, like I said, aesthetic and affective ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's very much. Yeah. Like you said, more about principle, like all the debates about free speech, it's more about just, having it then hey what are the actual consequences of actually like quote-unquote radical free speech sure, you know sure, like sure. giving everyone a platform <laughs> yeah you know? everyone has the exact same platform mm-hmm. that sounds like not capitalism nope <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so do we kind of from here want to talk a bit more about grad school kind of Sure. Thinking about that. I think it'd be cool to talk just a little bit about like where we're at identity wise. Sure. Just, like what we're yeah. looking at and interests. Um, just because everything that we talk about is going to have recourse back to, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes. um, who we are and what mm-hmm. we're up to. And, and a lot of the things like, especially as we're heading into the fall, a lot of the things that will probably be on our minds that will bleed into this, into this podcast are going to be informed by filling out grant applications yeah. and like trying to, trying to articulate, um, a focus and a purpose for ourselves in the academy. Mm-hmm. So, what, what do you have to do, Anna? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, in terms of identity, um, some markers for me, um, I'm a feminist, have been one um, since I was a sophomore in high school, um, and that kind of evolved into um, Marxism-Leninism, like, I feel like they both inform each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like you probably would say the same. Yep. Um, so there's those things. Um, I'm an Episcopalian. Um, I kind of struggled with, um, you know, belief in God and in Christianity as well for a long time like my teen years, um, until last year, I started reading more philosophy and theology and, um, kind of was able to, um, understand that intellectually in a way that I hadn't before. Um, so I feel very comfortable with that now. Um, 
Also, um, I'm an artist, a writer. Um, I write about film um, and obviously like history and philosophy. Um, I draw in my spare time. I think those are some of the main markers for me. What about you? <laughs> That's so many. <laughs> um, um, yeah, um, I'm in the same boat. Uh, also at a private Christian liberal arts school. Um, learning how to do philosophy. Um, same for me. Feminism at its first exposure, like, kind of led me to socialism and to revolutionary socialism mm-hmm. and not to, like, the same amorphous sort of identity that I have as, like, a communist. <laughs> um, what's our tagline again? Mm. Just your local commies. Yeah. Trying to, what was it? We're mm. trying to do, man, I, I lost it. Trying to, just your local commies trying to do Good theory. Good. Trying to learn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I, uh, I resonate with so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and also coming out of uh, a kind of fundamentalist Christian background mm-hmm. and upbringing um, that I'm still just learning how to relate to insofar as I have to recognize that it will always inform me and the decisions that I make and the commitments that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not something awful. This can be something beautiful. And um, Yeah. Those commitments are still developing for me. But beyond that, yeah. Um, looking at grad schools right now, applying this winter, um, hoping to do some gendery kind of stuff. Um, analytic feminism is where I hope to end up, but there are a lot of other things that I can see myself happily doing just to get that degree. Yep. So uh, <laughs> we'll see where that goes. And... I know. I play tennis now. <laughs> As, oh, do you do? You didn't yes. list that, so I guess it's mm-hmm. not that interesting of an identity marker. But we can talk about the tennis league. Cat <laughs> <laughs> um, started a fun little <laughs> tennis league for well, some of our locals, <laughs> and it's becoming one of the best parts of my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, playing tennis, reading books, going to work. Yep. That's pretty much it for me right now. Um, yeah, in terms of kind of research area interests yeah, for yeah. grad school, for me it's been um, <coughs> probably, yeah, I'd say it's pretty, it's been pretty difficult um, because, you know, you do have to formulate your statement of purpose and talk about specifically what you want to research. And I know I want to do intellectual history. It's just like, what specifically, um, and I've been trying to think of topics because, you know, there's so much to be interested in that I'm interested in, uh-huh. um, yeah, so it's like, yeah. you know, philosophy, history, art history, yeah. like aesthetics, yep. all that. Yeah, um, that, so I'm trying to come up with something that goes over all of those. Yep, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's so hard to do, and honestly, like, as I'm, as I'm trying to, like, draft my statement of purpose. Still. <laughs> I mean, I haven't even started yet, right. so you're ahead of me. We're like, what, five months out? Mm-hmm. But, um, but <laughs> the hardest thing for me to come to terms with is, is how much, because I've been at this school that has a strong tradition in really reformational, you know, you know, reformed philosophy kind of started at Calvin. So it's like this whole tradition of like a specific kind of theistic, like, you know, informed by Christian principles, philosophy, um, 
it's been hard for me to come to terms with how much I fuck with like virtue, mm-hmm. like in a million years. Like if you'd come up to me like freshman year and been like, man, what do you feel like doing, Kat? I would have been like, virtue ethics was never on the list. Like, <laughs> I wanted to do like the the really sexy, exciting like analytic feminism, you know, mm-hmm. and and some queer theory and gender theory. And here I am, like, what if I just devote the next eight years of my life to Aristotle (laughs) and it's something viable that I think I could do and could do really well and also like there's a way to do that that is in line with all my other commitments Mm -hmm. that's the biggest thing um a phrase a friend of mine used yesterday that I think is so beautiful is um looting like conceptual looting (laughs) taking the parts of, of the people's theory, you know, of the canon, you know, mm-hmm. like we, we talked at, at the beginning of our, of this episode about, um, just the canon and, and how problematic and terrible a lot of its figureheads are and recognizing that if I can take Aristotle and like do good analytic feminism with it, like more power to me, right? Yeah. Like that, that's, um, I don't know. It's an important and beautiful thing to learn. We can take what's good from other thinkers. We can take what's good out of Heidegger and make it do good stuff in like black studies. Mm-hmm. And people do this and like it's it's an extraordinary thing. So yeah, that's what I'm most excited about in philosophy, I think, right now. Mm-hmm. It's just mm, what can we do with the ideas that have been so circulated and so um I don't know, just just becomes so concretized in most institutions that like yeah what else can we do with these ideas yeah yeah i like that conceptual looting yeah yeah i love that yeah um yeah yeah definitely um i think that yeah another reason why in history specifically it is a bit difficult to choose a research interest is because um I, I told myself, kind of like you said with virtue ethics, but um, when I was first thinking about grad school a couple of years ago, I was like, you know, everyone seems to go into 20th century American history and, you know, that's just kind of boring and like what everyone knows. I don't want to do that. And now I'm like, well, what if I study like how fascism and communism has been depicted on film and how that has informed like everyone's conceptions of those two ideologies and now I want to try and do something with that and so you know it's like man I'm doing the exact thing (laughs) that I said I wasn't going to do yeah yeah. it's also within history there's so many like sub-disciplines like is this cultural history is this intellectual history like I don't know but yeah mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. for me and, and in philosophy like analytic and continental philosophy like just the more you read, the more those like distinctions don't even hold up. Yeah. Know? And and that's cool. They're all looting from each other, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and everything else. And it's cool. But yeah. Well, so um we have quite a few potential topics lined up mm-hmm. for future episodes that I'm super pumped about. <laughs> Me too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um I don't think I have anything else to say. Okay. Well, we can end the episode here then. How long has it been? Do we talk for an hour? Where are you guys going tonight? Oh. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We're going to see Janelle Monet go live. Mother Monet. <laughs> Mother Monet. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, um, um, I'm I'm pumped. I know. I've been so excited. It will like yeah. all through this week. It's like like blipped in the back of my brain, like Janelle winning. And then it's like, oh, that yeah. just made my whole day. Yeah, all all the queer kids in Grand Rapids in one place. I know. I was like, <laughs> gonna, I was like, so I was thinking about this today. Um, last year I went to the feminist film festival in Grand Rapids with sure. a couple of friends. Um, and we had got out of, we had just gotten out of like one of the blocks and we were just sitting there talking. This guy like comes up and he starts like trying to hit on me like this straight at white guy at the feminist film <laughs> festival. <laughs> and I'm just this kind of like, space now. yeah, like what, what are you doing really? And then <laughs> I just said I had to go to the bathroom and it wasn't that big of a deal. But at the same time, I'm like, that cannot happen tonight. Like, <laughs> like my tolerance for that stuff yeah, has yeah, gone yeah. down like <laughs> significantly. <laughs> <laughs> yep um i'll be there i'll have both my fists yeah local man kills my mouth I was, I was thinking i'd just like spit on him or something no that works yeah mm-hmm. but i can i can kill <laughs> <laughs> that works too <laughs> uh, mm. yeah I'm mm. yes so that should be good mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we can talk about it next time yeah definitely mm-hmm. so Hope everyone had a good time listening to the first episode. The inaugural episode. Good faith. Oh, my God.